0: Hello, 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 guys. Welcome to this new edition of Mind Podcast. This is Adit Kapadia coming to you on yet another day uh, with a fascinating discussion topic. And joining me today uh, on Mind Podcast from Singapore, is a columnist, uh, economist, uh, analyst, writer who writes on various financial topics. Nirav Kanodra. I, I know he he looked at me funny when I called when I introduced him as an economist. But I'll tell you why I I, I did that very deliberately, right? Because uh, because yeah, this this whole notion of economists being just the ones with the degree. I want to take that out. Anyone who writes on economic policy, in my opinion, is probably if we don't want to use the word, we'll say writes on economic policy. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. The... Uh, so Ha. Uh, because because you, you, you had that you like. अरे <laughs> No, but but uh, Nirav writes on various issues from, uh, you know, policy to current affairs to, you know, some uh, h- historical perspective as well as on trends going across the world and uh, has written for Mindmakers as well. And, um, you know, always always uh, someone whose perspective I look forward to. So welcome to Mind Podcast, Nirav. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, you know, it's it's a strange time uh, 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 to have sort of discussions also on macro issues, right? Because the world is almost dealing with such micro issues that people do not, I mean, pardon my language, but they don't give a damn about anything that's happening in other parts of the world. That's just how it is. right? And with the coronavirus situation, what has happened is the world has been struck in waves as well. So, in US, where I am based, you had the situation where um, last year was horrible. I mean, I personally was uh, COVID positive last December. Uh, that was our second wave in US. But. Singapore, where you are, was relatively okay, but now you're in the middle of another lockdown, a second lockdown in Singapore. And this happens to be in the same week when Biden said that if you have a, uh, if you've taken two shots, or CDC said, if you've taken two shots, you can roam around without a mask in the open. So that's how a polar opposite the world has become within itself. No, totally agree. Totally agree. I think what has happened is uh, you're seeing a lot of uh, localized effects because obviously movement of people is a lot more tougher. The quarantine rules are uh, uh, have kind of made international travel very difficult, uh, especially like in East Asia where quarantine has gone up from 14 to 21 days in most of the countries. I think China has a 21-day quarantine, and, uh, Singapore has from 14 to 21-day quarantine for most countries. So obviously, I think in the US it managed. The covid crisis badly but it's done vaccination quite well mm. but I still don't think uh, we might be out of the woods globally obviously in India uh, the situation is a lot lot worse but uh, probably improving so I just saw the stats I think uh, yesterday was uh, 283,000 numbers or 283,000 yeah. so yeah. it's gone down from the peak of uh, 4 lakh cases a day but uh, if you look at the internal distribution by districts uh, what has happened is the big cities have come off quite a bit, but it's spreading to tier two towns and tier three towns and villages, right. etc. Right? So where uh, data quality as well as uh, healthcare capacity is a lot, lot worse, and uh, I think what it does is uh, you will have uh, probably the death toll or the health impact will remain sustained for a while. I personally think uh, we might not see like a very sharp peak, but a slow plateau down in India. So yes, everywhere it is localized, everywhere, I think it's like fighting a war and you have like one battle going on. This is a world war. This is a world war. You have like few localized battles going on. So you have like, uh, for example, in East Asia, there's a different battle going on. In like US or Europe, a different battle is going on. So I think, yes, we will see these waves come and go. Yeah. And and especially in India, this is interesting what Neerav said, that the numbers have gone down to about almost 280, 270,000. But the death numbers still remain around 4,100 and stuff like that. And that is also because the new positives might be less, but people who have been like, as we saw so many cases, like uh, journalist Sunil Jain, who tragically passed away um, last, uh, I mean, two days ago, um, he had been died he had been in the hospital for over two weeks i believe if i'm not mistaken and so many people like those who are out of the i mean 14 day period uh, do are i mean infected. i i mean i, I lost my own grandmother uh, three four weeks ago and she was i think 10th or 11th day after she was positive I, i'm not so the convention that um after week Or so things get better in COVID itself has been rewritten in what we've seen in India because of the the new strain and so forth. Yes. Also, I think uh, in India, the other sad thing is uh, due to either over medication due to steroids or like comorbidities, uh, what has happened is people have some of them have recovered from COVID but died of like other complications. So the recent one is uh, mucormycosis. So like black fungus etc so hopefully i think see this is as you mentioned see this is uh like war and everybody right now is thinking uh how to go ahead day to day and like right. here and now. Right. but uh, maybe if i change stack and look at things that once we are past this so again like as you said like this is a historical parallel i think the closest historical parallel i would say is actually world war ii and after World War Two as well, where you had, like, a lot of devastation, especially, like, in Europe and, like, in mm. China and Japan mm. and in parts of uh, East, Asia. East Asia. Yeah. So I think what you have to see is once this is out, how do we get out of it? And uh, if you want to be optimistic, then you could say that after World War Two, you had, like, a very big global boom. Yeah. I think there was like a big transformation. Uh, you mm. had the US funded a lot of it Via the Marshall Plan. Yeah. But besides that, once the whole feeling, uh, there will be optimism that this is past us mm-hmm. and we will see some sort of a boom. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, If you see, the in, you know, looking at India specifically, mm-hmm. I think that there will be something, uh, a phenomenon called hysteresis. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a phenomenon used more in metallurgy but like also in economics where you pass something through a lot of stress and it comes out slightly different right so i think uh, what one effect we might see is everybody after going through like three months of lockdowns last year a lot of restriction in mobility and again like new lockdowns almost everywhere in the country uh, especially the lower end of the spectrum uh, will be thinking how can i save uh, maybe two three months or middle class or class. Mm-hmm. everyone wants to have like six months to a year of consumption as uh, savings for an emergency. So what is going to happen is immediate consumption might be reduced mm-hmm. and there will be a lot of savings. Mm-hmm. And now what the government as well as like the private sector has to do is mm-hmm. uh, boost investment and boost like government spending. That is to prime the pump. Absolutely. So, and mean, you, you've given me my perfect segue because that's what we wanted to build this podcast about. Uh, now, as, as people who followed uh, uh, this Mind podcast, you know, like we've done a podcast with Amit Thadani, who's a doctor in Mumbai on healthcare, on situation in COVID, what the frontline workers are doing. We are probably going to do another few podcasts on healthcare uh, coming forward and stuff. But I also want to focus on the other issues. What happens in an emergency is we are so focused on the healthcare aspect of it and the survival aspect of it, as we should be, um, that we forget other issues or we forget to discuss about other issues. Um, So we are just going to shift focus a little bit and talk about COVID, but in an economic standpoint, where there has been economic devastation in various parts of the world. In some places, lockdown was the only option but the lockdown has also led to some heavy economic costs that the countries have to pay. And they thought that in the next year, they'll be able to make up the ground. But the second wave has been even worse than the first wave. So how do you deal with that? And how do you bounce back of the uh, situation? So, um, you know, to kick things off, uh, uh, you, know, you know, you and I happen to be in two of the biggest port cities in the world, right? I'm in Houston, and you're in Singapore. So uh, it, is, it is but obvious that we'll start discussion with economics, infrastructure, ports, and so forth, right? So, so how, you know, when you talk about exports, imports, trade, right, that has been probably the most affected in the COVID situation. Yes, there has been medicinal exports. Yes, there has been other good stories, positive stories, but basic trade has suffered. So how do you overcome the deficit or have have we lost some industries to COVID permanently? No. So I don't think uh, some industries are lost to COVID. I think the industries which have a lot of human contact, I would say uh, like management consulting or like uh, salespeople who used to travel around either within a country or like across countries, a lot of that has been replaced by technology and like uh, Zoom. You are in Houston, I'm in Singapore, and you're talking over like yes. out, like, right? Yes. So I think that has changed these things. For my goods, what has happened is. The supply chains a lot of them global supply chains are controlled by China a lot of pharmaceuticals uh, so active pharmaceutical ingredients APIs are only made in China and there's a monopoly I think all companies globally will start looking at how can I build resilience in my supply chain so since the 80s focus was how do I reduce my costs how do I reduce my costs? how do I improve efficiency and that has come at the cost of resilience and I think resilience is how do you how well can you react to one shock if there is an earthquake somewhere if there is a cyclone somewhere there is a union strike somewhere I could lose my uh, uh, critical raw materials and that you've seen even in the manufacture of vaccines right, right. some change, uh, you could see a duty increase so what you want is you want at least another parallel line so what is going to happen is also the costs will go up uh, because of uh, people will have to build in more redundancy, you will have to have another parallel supply chain in case of any issues and uh, so this has been very much amplified due to COVID. Uh, I don't think industries will be lost but you will see also this is an opportunity. So India has de-industrialized since the 80s uh, quite rapidly and a lot of that has actually gone to China and now what will happen is out of political compulsion for jobs. Uh, Locally, in India, a lot of uh, chief ministers, etc. will be fighting to try and get projects. This this is going to have a K-shaped recovery and you see like one arm of the K which is going up, which is the ones which are doing well, will do a lot better. The one arm which is going down is going to do a lot worse. So that's where government spending has to come in. But I'll give you examples that now specifically going for India, you are seeing the PLI schemes uh production linked incentives uh, so trying to promote manufacturing in like pharma automobiles uh, one specific one where india is not a leader is actually advanced uh, chemistry cell or like battery technology right so we are moving towards an electric future uh, there are a lot of electric two wheelers so some industries might have like issues because of demand but this is let me see some transformation so okay. i'm very bullish about electric two wheelers specifically <laughs> because short run uh, very much urban, uh, you can charge it from your home. So you're seeing the traditional players like Bajaj and Hiro mm-hmm. right. and new ones like Ola and Ather. So I think that is quite a big thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, what you will see is uh, earlier some projects which were being opposed on local ground. And now I'll give examples from Maharashtra. Uh, there are two projects which have been in the pipeline forever, uh, both in the Ratnagiri district. One is the refinery at Nanar. And there is a nuclear power plant at Jaitapur. Hmm. What has happened is due to, due to unemployment, due to the harsh realities of COVID, the ground situation has changed and a politician our chief minister has kind of flipped. It's not because he's changed his view. Right. It's because right. people have changed their view. So what has happened is you will see this kind of change coming in, where uh, people who were like earlier opposed or like some farmers who are opposed to selling their land for industrial use, uh, we might see that flip around. And, so, I, uh, I, so what what you were saying, uh, Nirav, and I just want to kind of show our uh, viewers this. Basically, what Nirav was referring to a K-shaped recovery would be something like this. Yes. You know? You, I mean, this is, again, I have, uh, uh, this is a graph from Investopedia. I have I, I have nothing to do with it. This is just representational purposes in case someone is like, hey, what are you trying to show? But basically, this is what a lot of people are saying, that the industries that will go up will continue to go up, and the industries that may have been affected will continue. And in, would you say we are almost in this sort of uh, phase right now, or do you think this is, we are we might be in a recession and we don't know it yet? No, I think uh, given like this time, a lot of the mobility restrictions are a bit softer than last year. Mm-hmm. So, I think we are closer to the bottom, mm-hmm. uh, I would say the night is always darkest before the dawn. You know? like yeah. you be, <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly, right? So, well, things I get think, worse before they get better kind of deal. <laughs> but I think we, we might be at the turning point, we've already seen in the number of cases that we are at a turning point, uh, so yes. also. Like I'll give another example uh, which might have changed uh, for uh, good is earlier like going to the cinema was quite a social experience, right? You yeah. go to the cinema, go out for dinner, yeah. it's a nice thing. Uh, what has happened is you, you're seeing a lot more uh, content being consumed over streaming platforms. So Like not just like Netflix and Amazon Prime, like specifically for India, you have a lot of good content coming on local. Uh, yeah platforms, right? So yeah, you have Hotstar, Sony Live, Hotstar, Sony TV. Live. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So what might happen is uh, the movie industry, which is making like very big budget blockbusters, like one movie costing like 100 crores, mm-hmm. uh, etc. You will have like 10 small TV series costing 10 crores each. And then, so I think there's going to be some sort of a dispersion. So in this case shape the lower one is like entertainment, hospitality, food services. Mm-hmm. So I think some of that goes, is hit. You so might see less dining out, more of uh, delivering and eating in. So I even... Think- even- even for travel, I would say that it is making a recovery. I was, I I, I traveled last week and took a short trip and you know I took a flight and everything. And I think travel has, the flight was full. It was, it's pretty much getting to a point where airports in US at least are getting back to normalcy, you know, 60, 70% capacity. And and I personally think for them to say the mask rule it might also have been something to do with us the US being three weeks to the summer break, you know, the Memorial day. So it gives people enough time to get vaccinated, fully vaccinated before summer and travel so i think travel um hospitality is coming back too because people are going to hotels and stuff and food services is interesting because just like how uh, ott has evolved you have had uber eats and you're in india you have uh, i forget swiggy Mm -hmm. and uh, so again all these so i think even these that is why i feel we are probably in a recovery mode if not at the bottom because these four industries have started evolving started evolving and i always believe that travel and the hospitality are first the first two industries to evolve because they have to serve the people so they will have to evolve they have no option no absolutely i think there'll also be some sort of like a, a what do you call like revenge consumption on travel you've missed <laughs> so long. yeah so i think see if you've got like family members you've got friends living in other parts of the world you haven't for like almost over a year if you haven't traveled anywhere mm-hmm. so i think there is going to be some quick bump up yeah. and actually like in terms of like actual recovery so for the formal sector in india the best indicator is like the monthly gst collections yeah. so yeah. in this way they haven't actually fallen yet i yeah. think the informal sector is hit very hard yeah. and uh, so yes we don't have like a very good idea about those things uh, also like uh, people all businesses have also adapted to the new normal So Mm -hmm. even like small businesses, manufacturing, manufacturing is actually open right now. Right. So because last year they realized that, okay, you say, oh, pharma manufacturing is okay. But what about the guy who provides like a glass bottle to them? Mm -hmm. Oh, glass manufacturing is not okay. It's not critical industry. And we had a lot of supply chain bottlenecks Mm -hmm. because of these things. You also saw inflation rise all of last year in India versus the Western world where it is demand driven in India, it is like supply shock. So Mm -hmm. uh, people had to pay up prices. And uh, now what you're seeing is the bottlenecks and the supply chain is open, hmm. so I think that that is an improvement. Uh, another thing is what you could say, like you know, turning a crisis into an opportunity hmm. is uh, India right now is like the laboratory for effectiveness of all sorts of vaccines. <laughs> so not only like, domestic ones like AstraZeneca uh, production Serum Institute, as right. well as. Uh, 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 bharat biotech uh huh. producing vaccine. you are having like dr red diesel manufacture sputnik Zydus Cadila is hopefully getting approval soon novavax might get approval soon hmm. uh, J&J has a local partner biologics e hmm. so what's going to happen is you you will go out a little bit on war footing vaccination base will step up hmm. and this is also an advertisement for indian pharma industry yes. and if you take it as an opportunity see i think if you look at the rich countries in the world have already almost been vaccinated but i think if you go towards the global south a lot of poor countries are importing vaccines either from like china or like hopefully later on from india and I I was just sorry sorry keep going I was just going to show the gst collections how they surged to about 1.1 1. 1.41 1, 1. lakh crore in april and the ministry has said that they've actually gone up you know of which cgst is i mean you can see the figures right here guys uh, I, I i can zoom in for everyone to look at the numbers but essentially uh, despite the second wave affecting i think it has gone up significantly yes so i think like uh, the numbers in may what's collected in may might actually show a fall from the 1.41 lakh crores Mm -hmm. earlier uh pre-covid the run rate was about like more than one lakh crores was like a good number correct i think what has happened is we see more formalization of the economy so that's why tax collection is going on uh but yes i think so uh that's one good number i think like that's one sentiment indicator that uh, where the economy is going and we get it like timely so every Mm -hmm. month so Mm -hmm. that's that's a good thing that's Uh, a good thing But but in India, uh, sorry, go on, yeah, yeah. So, uh, continuing on that part, right, so I think on like pharma, once like India gets the size of India vaccinated, one-sixth of the world, uh, all the additional capacity, either for booster doses, if you might need them, uh, for like other countries, like in Africa, uh, a lot of Eastern Europe, a lot of like uh, Southeast Asian countries, the uh, poorer ones, there's a huge size of population. And I think that's an export opportunity, as well as uh, that kind of integrates India into like the global manufacturing supply chain. Correct. And uh, this is an opportunity for uh, Indian companies to step up. I think a little bit of like, uh, we've seen a lot of haggling on like say, vaccine prices, et cetera. But like, I think the cost of vaccine, whether it is 150 rupees or 600 rupees or a thousand rupees, mm. is a lot less versus the cost of getting COVID. I think an oxygen cylinder goes for like about 50,000 rupees. Mm. Your medication goes on, the cost goes out in lakhs. Mm. Uh, sure. There is not enough capacity. I think just impaired earnings for even like if you recover in two, three weeks is worth mm. a lot more. I think mm. uh, the communication has been quite poor out here from the government. I think a lot of people, opposition parties, everyone just uses this as a point. Mm. But what we need is more vaccines, faster vaccination and more production. So supply calls slope upward. If there is higher price, we will see more supply. No and I think it's also something to do with the raw materials and the issue around that with the whole you know uh, US situation but but I think I think that you raise an important point that it it seems like this is almost like a chain reaction connected to each other you start with the vaccine thing that boosts your local pharmacy manufacturing industry you know that boosts your trade in that and then India is going to even sell vaccinations to other countries so you are raising revenue And then you can use that revenue to compensate for, you know, things which you, but when you talk about informal industry, especially in India, you know, something that is deeply being affected is the wedding industry, right? And I mean, people are, there are a lot of people that are going to be like, you know, scoffing at the industry, but it is an industry, right? Yes, yes the photography to everything to even the uh, honeymoon destinations after right i mean those are based on tourism post post wedding tourism and um maldives got a lot of people going in and goa got a lot of people this winter but right now the tourism has virtually become you know zero so uh, that has affected a lot of uh, 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 small small things so those informal industries i don't think can recover in the next one year because i just don't think people are going to have such big lavish weddings at least in the near uh, 6 or 12 month period. Oh yeah absolutely like things like uh, Mm -hmm. what a lot of people don't even know like you have a lot of these uh, corporate conferences or sales conferences Uh, so a lot of companies I think uh, there was one big like in a negative light but like Eureka Forbes their biggest sales agents Mm -hmm. uh, they they took them to the Australian cruise and there was like another one which was I think Chand Goodka or one of the Goodka companies, I don't know mm. which one. So all yeah. those things, all those uh, things have to be that, that, that Star Cruises that used to go to Singapore yes. was very famous. The that companies yes. would rent out the whole place for three months or something like that. Yes. Oh, yes sorry, exactly. Three days, not three months. Yes, I mean, yeah. Three uh, days to each different companies, etc. Right. Uh, so uh, yeah. see, those so those have while they've gone. I think so. In Singapore, you have the cruise to nowhere because very strict border controls, you have like a 21-day quarantine if you go anywhere. But If you take a COVID test, you can board onto a cruise, goes around and brings you back in like four days Mm -hmm. and it's cruised to nowhere. I think there's a lot of entertainment on board. I think some of the cruise liners in Goa, etc. You could see some of those things, Uh, you will also. So this is the way they adapt, as you said, yes, it's not going to be at the same level as before. Mm -hmm. And uh, this also tells you like uh, how like people have to either adapt or. Uh, you need to build like resilience, I'm coming to this word again and again. I think probably all these people who are in the informal sector actually need to have more savings, or they need to have like family members who have like different sources of income. Everybody cannot be in the same industry because uh, if you are all in the same industry, so as you pointed out, like say if somebody is just a caterer, his like a spouse, somebody is a photographer, some one is a wedding planner, then everybody is linked to the same industry, everybody sees the downturn together. And I think this is, as a society, uh, like India in general needs to also see that, see what had happened. If you see uh, Indian economy at a very broad level, uh, what we have been dealing with on all the factors of uh, GDP, we've been only focusing on like consumption mm-hmm. and domestic consumption. Uh, we consumed a lot more than which what we produced or sold abroad. Mm-hmm. And that was being funded by uh, foreigners buying Indian equities. And our biggest export was IT services mm-hmm. and so we export IT services we consume a lot of manufactured goods a lot of electronics so mobile phones etc mm-hmm. we consume quite a lot of oil uh, mm-hmm. actually like compared to like our size of GDP our oil intensity is actually quite low so we are not as productive per barrel of oil that we consume Correct. so I think what was that is we were funding it just by these two sources so IT exports mm-hmm. and uh uh, foreigners buying our stocks mm-hmm. and this is not sustainable so no, that's you need so you need multiple industries uh, mm-hmm. we are, uh, so the PLI schemes in manufacturing uh, you have seen schemes where Foxconn uh, uh, and Pegatron are setting up factories to assemble Apple iPhones so maybe mm-hmm. we start a bit with import substitution but the scale that India has we can export quite a bit as well so mm-hmm. that is one of those things. And that is where, like, say, government policy—you need mm-hmm. this going down to a couple of levels. You want, mm-hmm. you want chief ministers lobbying to get industries in their state, and within that, you want like local MLAs or like local districts fighting to get it in their district. And I mm-hmm. think what is needed is like everyone is in together and all mm-hmm. forces align. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the positive signs we've seen is uh, we've seen in India railway freight pick up a lot because passenger traffic has gone down. And uh, railway freight uh, is like a lot cheaper for logistics. Uh, Mm -hmm. We are seeing uh, two dedicated freight corridors come up. They're almost like the Western dedicated freight corridor from Delhi to Mumbai is about like uh, 60% open. Uh, Mm -hmm. A lot of it till Gujarat is open. So the ports in Gujarat, in Kandla, Mundra, etc., will have like direct access inside. Mm -hmm. I think towards Bombay land acquisition, certain parts are remaining. So what you will see is uh, these are the things which kind of, they add oil into the machinery. You know, they're reducing friction Mm -hmm. and that takes off some capacity from roads. Uh, You are also seeing a lot of expressway construction. So because of GST, you reduce the need for border checks. I think Mm -hmm. one of my pet peeves, one state which has to have border checks is Gujarat, uh, which uh, due to alcohol bans, I think uh, it's a pet peeve. If they remove that, Uh, You see an immediate increase in tax collection, which can be used for more productive investment. I I I totally agree, and they they can do it in a structured manner. They can. I I personally have said that if you don't want to uh, okay liquor in urban centers, in certain hotels, restaurants, allow beer and wine, or allow certain types like where there there are uh, hotels in Ahmedabad and Baroda. With I'm not sure in Baroda, but in Ahmedabad, I know for sure with liquor shops. I was like, they those hotels can be allowed to have. Bars, you know, and then whatever tax you charge on that, you know, make sure you fund it for many things. But uh, it mm-hmm. seems it seems to be that emotional issue that I, I, I personally have not connected with, and uh, I mean. But I've, I've had I mean I've shouted from the rooftops even when I was 16 or 17. And before people say not because I wanted a drink in Gujarat, I could have gotten a drink anywhere after after I turned of uh, you know appropriate age. but it's just that I think we are missing out on a potential huge stream of revenue. Yes. so no so absolutely also like the friction at every border check post. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone has to come check maybe uh, there is a bit of harassment, there are some bribes paid so all of that kind of friction as well as actual like diesel consumption uh, because the truck is left idling there right it could have gone like uh, 20 kilometers ahead in that time so i think all of that so, no, but and if the, you remember, uh, sorry, need of coming back to this, but if you remember in Ahmedabad, uh, back in the day, uh, I'm talking about uh, 2000s, you had the issue with Octroy and things like that. Yes. So there was, was one Octroy duty, one other duty and things like that. And I think that changed in the late 2000s, where they merged it and made it through a very simple approval process. And that just removed so many bottlenecks. Yes, no. So I think Mumbai was the last city to remove Octroy just oh. before GST. And I think Octroy was like... Uh, An outdated concept where you want to promote manufacturing inside the city. Actually, it's better if it's manufactured outside, and land to be better used. As, as when Narendra Modi was the CM, this was one of his pet peeves that uh, there is one Naka in on Gujarat and Maharashtra border where the Gujarat tax collections are a lot more than the Maharashtra tax collections. And he's like, number of vehicles to equally aate, to what is the difference? You know, what is going on? And and that's how he said that he had removed a lot of bottlenecks and things like that. In there. Yes. But um, yeah, that is. But what that's that's to sort of you know merge all the points. That's what Nira, you're saying that you know ultimately we have to incentivize uh consumers as well as manufacturers and have to move to a state that does not that's not known as like a tax terrorist state if i may yes. oh, no, so absolutely i think see uh we are facing like yeah. I think there is an echo of the uh like it's not an echo boom it's like an echo bust actually like hmm. so the issues what happened is after uh the financial crisis in 2008 uh tax collections like dropped massively and at that time, I think uh, everybody was given targets, and uh, it's an unfortunate fact. But like, even if I'm speaking from anecdotal uh, evidence, that uh, uh, they went attacking like foreign companies uh, to just meet their tax budget. I think there's a case with kane Energy which is still going on. Yeah, and that negatively affects. So it's not about the tax that you collect right now. There's a very big Vodafone case. Yeah, the retrospective taxation retrospective. case. So exactly, I think. So what needs to be done is like government has to like what they've done with like GST where they reduce the friction between state borders and instead of collecting many taxes actually it's one tax but many slabs. Maybe we need to like reduce those slabs. I think uh, government finances obviously will be under a bit of uh, stress because uh, your revenue has gone down from a lot of uh, areas. A lot of PSUs have seen... The salary and pension bills are the same. So like Indian railways is one, but like the revenue from passenger traffic has fallen off a cliff. So I think, but what the government can do exactly as you like pointed out, where you want to uh, put, you know, grease the wheels, uh, grease the gears and uh, make things uh, little with a little less friction. Uh, you could see like in terms of policy, there is a lot of discretion on like uh, whether, something is category A or B or C and like Mm. what tax should be charged on that. I think rationalizing of like tax labs on like uh, on indirect taxes like GST as well as the promise where what they've done is like no increase in income taxes Mm. and uh, what they've done is hopefully the growth which comes back uh, pays for it in uh, greater tax revenue. Uh, You need like basically I think if you look at the uh, sectors as well Mm. Uh, india is very much a service economy and an agrarian economy by number of people involved Mm. but like hollowed out like the manufacturing the secondary sector so primary and tertiary is good Mm. so i think that needs a lot of attention Uh, that is a big employment generator Uh, one of the uh, things because of remote working etc i think uh, uh, more people at least in the service sector in it industry etc uh, could be incentivized to move out of like uh, tier one cities and if you can work from home you can work from satellite campus mm, so uh, uh, there should be encouragement for like a lot of IT companies to set up uh, satellite campuses in tier two cities where mm. people could work from home as well as uh, come in on a few days maybe do a three two kind of a thing mm. on a, a weekly basis and mm. uh, also the construction industry is a big big employment generator so construction, not just of like government projects, roads, railways, etc. I think construction of uh, residential real estate. After mm-hmm. work from home, one of the peop- the side effect is the people who are on the upward sloping uh, the part of the k recovery. They have a lot right. more income, mm-hmm. and now they say, "I need to have a home office. I need to have a slightly bigger home." And uh, because of this, uh, you will see there's increased real estate demand. You saw. Uh, uh, Mumbai actually reduced AM duty for uh, from five percent to two percent, and you saw the like, uh, registrations go up quite a bit. And so it went from like five to two, and then two to three, and now it's back to five. But <laughs> uh, that was like as a temporary basis. Temporary, temporary relief, was- Yeah people were saving. Yeah. Like if you're if you're doing like a few like, uh, and in mm-hmm. Mumbai it's very uh, very hard in the expensive areas to get like a flight flat lower than five crores, right? Uh, yes, so. Yeah. So if you get a 3BHK people were getting and people were getting right guys that this is not me being tone deaf this was happening you were saving like about 6-7 lakhs or something just in stamp duty so that is why people there was a huge rush yeah so it was an incentive that do it now yeah. and because obviously it was time bound so yeah. people rushed towards it who were like sitting on the fence and so yes I think construction uh, a lot of urban cities uh, uh, which have like grown very fast mm-hmm. I think they need a better urban planning and probably policies such as redevelopment me being originally from Mumbai uh, a lot of buildings are like over 40 50 years old and uh, now they are a little bit dilapidated Uh, There are also buildings are 100 years old and uh, Mm -hmm. there's a decent policy which is if you redevelop uh, an old building you get extra FSI that's floor space index I think these policies need to be revisited Mm -hmm. and uh, How can you add that Uh, they've they've done good things that if something you give up some land for road widening, you get additional FSI, you give up some land for like, or you have like three, four levels of public parking, then you get still further FSI and there is something called uh, transfer of development rights, TDR, Mm -hmm. I break down one building, I build another building here, but the extra Mm -hmm. square footage maybe I I cannot build it here, I can build it elsewhere and these kind of policies need to be taken. Uh, Not just like these work quite well in Mumbai where real estate is very expensive, Mm -hmm. but also in other cities, I think there is some sort of an urban renewal needed and uh, so if the government takes on these parts, this is like self-financing streams of income. Yeah. So you have, uh, and, and, and pushing of- it at a very local level because you don't have yes. to create national policies, you have to actually just have meetings with certain state finance ministers and you know, hammer out like maybe have a city, uh, uh, sort of a discussion with mayors of the top 10 most densely populated cities of India. You know, who knows? Yes. Like, you can have that, exactly. and, and yeah, so I mean, and and sorry. No, no, things like metro construction we are already seeing in like about 25 cities in the country, right? So I think these kind of things because what will happen is as the like COVID is very localized. Similarly, I think the recovery, each one takes it upon themselves that each area that how can uh, we boot something. I think uh, in India biggest problem is job creation, but there are two types of that as well. One is the uh, the type which they say, okay, let's employ everyone in some government. Uh, organizations or psus hmm. without any additional productivity correct See, that is the that is an entitlement scheme that is the uh, original <laughs> urban NREGA. right enrega yeah yeah, yeah. so this is the urban NREGA. instead of rural hmm. it's the urban one where you thought okay you got a job for life and yeah. then you vote for the political party which got you the job for life and uh, so that but that is not sustainable what we need is uh, jobs which add productivity, add more value than mm-hmm. whatever costs are going inside. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what, so you should have like more localized uh, setting. I think the policy, some of them, mm-hmm. uh, which have been like broad based saying that we will incentivize uh, the production linked incentives. Actually it's incentives on like tax. Yeah. So if anyways, Foxconn was not manufacturing in India, so they're paying zero tax. So now mm-hmm. if they set up a factory and they get a tax holiday for a few years and linked to the amount of uh, things that they produce, uh, that's actually like not a bad thing because <laughs> they're creating jobs, is a positive externality and yeah, um, more of these policies uh, need to be put in. And uh, like basically we need to also raise the animal spirits. Uh, right now it is looking very grim. I yeah. totally agree. I think uh, everybody's firefighting wherever they yeah. are yeah. and uh, so everybody's fighting COVID uh, what you actually uh, need is once we are past this, once we have uh, full immunization, full vaccination, mm-hmm. and uh, things are controlled, people need to feel better about their future. And Absolutely. Uh, but but right but Niamh, and going like as we move into the last part of the podcast, one thing I want to ask is about the biggest question that's bogging everyone's mind is the fuel uh, taxes, right? Because yeah. India is one country where the taxation is in percentage. I think in a lot of countries, I mean, it's I mean there are many countries where it's by percentage. There are some where it's lump sum. I think U.S. there is some yeah. lump sum taxation or something that's that goes on. In any case, if there was a, a tax a structure that exists in India, if it was proposed in Texas where I am. There would be like, I don't know, protests on the streets, where they would drive all their SUVs and trucks. So, I mean, people would be very mad. And and, and so, and we all, I mean, now it's about to touch a hundred and stuff. And in India, the petrol and diesel prices sort of deregulated right now, right? But do you think there is scope in cutting those taxes to incentivize sort of more uh, transport thing? Or you think that the government is not going to do that right now? I think it's quite unlikely. See, I think uh, uh, two things. Uh, so people feel the pinch. I'll tell you. So if you look at like perception of inflation, right? Is one is fuel and the other one is vegetables. Why mm-hmm. that? Because you buy them vegetables. You probably buy them daily in India, and mm-hmm. fuel you buy probably weekly. We- weekly, right. That, right. So that is your frequent point of paying thing for things. Whereas merely yeah, yeah. as a percentage of your consumption, it may not be as large. But that's why you see, oh my god, the price is going up. So in America, uh, it's milk, meat, and fuel. That's yes. the sort of the thing. No? Yes, yes, yes. And so what has happened is uh while like India has followed this policy of like uh uh charging this Pigovian tax and the consumption uh the ones who consume more of fuel per capita, uh, mm. they feel are like rich enough. Mm. Uh, I think. They have been a one-trick pony, they've, they've slowly deregulated diesel and they went from subsidizing it to taxing it and mm-hmm. they've done it in a step-by-step manner. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. this uh, step-by-step reform is what is probably needed in a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. So they went from like subsidizing diesel heavily to increasing prices by 50 Pesa 1 Rupee a month slowly, steadily, slowly, steadily. Whenever global prices fell, they actually increased tax to uh, compensate for it. So it was flat. So the prices was just ratcheting up. Uh, and uh, that kind of filled the buffers last year actually when oil prices fell and the government collect some tax out here. right? Uh, now, even if they want to reduce this, uh, they need to see economy picking up a lot more growth picking up and then maybe they reduce the taxes. This is again like pressing the accelerator, but probably that's more in 2022 or 2023 where they see other parts of the economy. I think a small cut in the tax maybe uh, uh, like 25-50 Pesa a month and gradually going down. So, from the current levels will, will go a long way because again that is what ignites the animal spirits whereas actual consumption may not be that much, but this is what people feel. Perception, uh, which is is why petrol prices get cut before elections. People say, this is that I was like, why buying it like five rupees here and there, it may sound it may pinch a lot in the wallet, but in terms of financial policy, it does not affect the government as much as some other changes would. Yes. So I think other things is uh, like one thing which we've not touched upon. I think the farm reforms you done last year uh, like somewhere Uh, I think again, there's been a communication failure. There's been a lot of vested interests. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of opposition to it. But for example, another problem with the Indian economy is massive misallocation of resources. Mm -hmm. What we have is a lot of subsidies consumed like in just a couple of states in Punjab and Haryana. Uh, We are growing 20% more rice and wheat uh, than we actually consume. And our FCI go downs, they're procuring rice And wheat at 20 rupees a kilo selling it to poor at two rupees a kilo and still they are left with surplus. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, what probably I think another one is uh, try and allow like or incentivize contract uh, production for stuff that we can export. I think Mm -hmm. Indian agri industry can be like a massive export earner. Mm -hmm. Uh, You could grow uh, stuff which is consumed in other parts Uh, better cold storage uh, better transport linkages which are already being done worked on Uh, we can export a lot of perishable vegetables Uh, a lot of vegetables 30 percent of vegetables and fruits actually rot in india Uh, uh, so if we reduce that even by 10 15 percent so i think these are the things again where uh, you have like a separate uh, ministry people look at certain things uh, who incentivize via the msps So we are growing 20% extra rice and wheat, Uh, we are importing oil seeds. So for vegetable oil for like uh, palm oil, so groundnut oil, we are actually importing certain pulses, certain dals. So -hmm. I think these things uh, is what can be turned around and that improves like the Indian economy. I think incentivize people to grow those even if it is like at times at a higher cost because Mm -hmm. the cost of wastage on the other side is much higher. So more expensive to import, say, to something which comes from Canada. It's Punjabi Mm. farmers from India going to Canada, growing it and exporting it uh, to India, right? Where there's not a lot of dal consumption over there. Mm. And farmers grown in like Malaysia, Indonesia. Uh, uh, So I think these things, these tweaks is where uh, you could see uh, like the country kind of like misallocation of resources. If that is dead, and these are like few small tweaks where there should be like continuous improvement, where you see okay, how can I improve efficiency now? And this has to be long thought out over decades. Mm-hmm. And you go on that path. That itself, once people start seeing their day-to-day life improve, mm-hmm. I think that will again kickstart the animal spirits and hopefully the India growth story is back. And uh, yeah, that's that's probably what is needed. Hmm, Absolutely. So, you know, and and that's, that actually sums it up in terms of the recovery that it has to start from somewhere, which sector the government has to choose in its own wisdom, you know, what is the situation here, but it almost has to be parallel with the COVID vaccination sort of going on, because you cannot drop the ball on the economic recovery again. While this is going on because otherwise in six months we're facing a bigger disaster when we'll have a lot of the population vaccinated but industries that haven't kicked up as fast as they should have so no no india that way is fragile so uh, nasim talib talks about like anti-fragility and what is robust what is fragile so first we would have thought that india was robust but uh COVID has actually exposed us and uh where you saw like First, you had a very stringent lockdown, but that hurt the economy massively and then when you kind of restricted saying, oh, no, we can't hurt the economy that much because a lot of poor people will lose jobs or people might not die, COVID, you might get it and still survive, but if you're of hunger, you might die. And Mm -hmm. so the trade-off which was made on the, during the second wave has been to keep the economy open for a lot longer Mm -hmm. and you saw like a much worse health crisis. Yeah. So again, uh, here is, we know what all was missing what all could be done a bit better and in parallel why yes agreed uh, health crisis is right and staring at us in our face mm. the other parts of the economy have to try and like build up and see what uh, you know some uh, leaks can be plugged what tweaks can be made so that when we come out and in like six months time when we are we reach sort of a herd immunity with a large population vaccinated uh, we see like a massive uh, rise a lot of pent-up consumption comes out there and uh hopefully kickstarts the economy absolutely absolutely but before we wrap up uh, the podcast nirav this is a tradition we have on mind podcast where we always uh, uh, give a recommendation to our viewers our listeners about what to read what to you know if you've seen a good movie or read a good book or something so any recommendations you have for our uh, uh, listeners viewers yeah sure so i think uh what i just mentioned right now was like uh so, Nasim Talib has a whole series. I think he's a very arrogant person when he speaks or uh, on Twitter. Twitter, nah, wait, Twitter has uh, ruined a lot of celebs, so to speak. Yeah, I no, mean, so I don't see, I think that is a part of his personality, but he has like a few original ideas. His whole uh, series uh, from uh, starting, he, he calls it his inserto series. And he tries to be like a very good philosopher. But uh, taking that aside, uh, the books are not very well written as well but he's got original ideas so like in fooled by randomness he's saying what is the role of luck in our day-to-day lives in black swan he says about uh, uh, events which have like uh, a small probability event which can have a very big impact so this uh, covid crisis was a black swan Uh, Mm -hmm. though he calls it it is not because he predicted some sort of uh, pandemic and uh, then he has something called uh, a book called anti-fragile and anti-fragile says that if you have a shock coming in so fragile is like a like a glass you throw it down it falls and it shatters Uh, what is robust is a piece of paper even if it falls off a table uh, it won't right but it doesn't change and what is anti-fragile anti-fragile is when you put in stress it actually becomes stronger so in metallurgy you see iron ore to steel Uh, our human bodies are anti-fragile you vaccinate you get a small dose of like uh, either a disease or. a vector a spike protein vector and you you fall sick maybe for a day but protects you against the big disease so I think these series of books uh, they're quite original thoughts I think they're quite interesting thought-provoking that is what I would recommend everyone to read. Fantastic. Fantastic. I am going to recommend a film that I saw last weekend called uh, uh, Ram Prasad Ki Tervi. Uh, it's on Netflix. It's by Seema Pawa. Uh, I, I've known or Seema Bhargava as, uh, as she used, you know, her maiden name when she was acting. Um, it's a fantastic star cast from Nasiri to Supriya Pater to Manoj Pawa. And I mean, there's probably 12 or 13 theater actors or maybe more. And uh, it's it's a it's a sort of very very good film uh, on uh, to watch. So do do watch. It's a, it's it's a kind of humor that's been sadly missing from Hindi films lately. But OTT OTT has provided that space to many such uh, small films like these. That can be made. Okay. So, I haven't seen it, so I think I, I'm going to watch that this week. Absolutely. Sure. Let, let, let me know. Let me know how it was. I mean, this is the best thing to do during lockdown anyways, right? <laughs> Catch absolutely. up on films. But uh, thank you so much, Nirov. Uh, This has been a fantastic discussion. Maybe in a few weeks, a few months from now, when we are in the, on the better side of the wave, when we are on the better side of all this, we can have a, another sort of a rosier picture of the economy and how what steps we have taken to come out of it. And uh, and maybe we can do a live session or something with people who have questions on that. But thank you so much, Nita, for joining. And thank you guys for joining us on this edition of my podcast. Um, We'll be back next week with more. Uh, And you all have a good one. Thank you.